Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are likely to trigger the extreme fanboys and fangirls who disagree with them. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome everybody to Hot Takes with Billy Biz. As always, the show is now on iTunes, Spotify, and a bunch of other things that you guys use that I don't. But... Uh, because it's on iTunes, that means it's on everything. So please rate and review because when you do, that means iTunes thinks that people care about me. And when you search, uh, my show comes up and I would appreciate that. So today uh, we're back to normal. We had a couple episodes that were a little uh, outside of the norm, but I'm coming back with the professor, Lon Harris. Welcome, Lon. Thank you. It's great to be here. And today we're talking about 2013 specific rim. I would say for the most part, this was considered a pretty big crowd pleaser that summer. This It was a divisive movie, I think, from the very beginning. There were always a, a pocket of people who loved it, myself included. I feel like this was one of those movies that before it came out, it was like, oh my God, everybody loves it, it's awesome. And then once it came out, there was a lot of blowback of people who were like, nah, it wasn't, this wasn't everything I'd sort of wanted from my robot fighting alien monster uh, epic. I always thought it was so weird because that was the narrative around uh, this movie was like, oh my gosh, finally, it's monsters f- fighting robots. I've been waiting my whole life. I'm like, I don't remember when collectively as a society, we deemed that robots versus monsters was like the thing we you know, were waiting there for. Is, this is fascinating. I mean, the internet did something to us collectively as a culture that I don't think we really fully understand yet. Because internet culture has always been like that, you know, lol, so random stuff and like loving mashups and all the things like IP law didn't let us do before the internet. The internet is now like, we want to put all the properties together and we want to make everything really stupid and memes and and make everything kind of an ironic joke. And I, I... We've never gotten out of it now. And so this idea that what everyone wants to see in what every movie is just like the kitchen sink. Like we want every – you know, like you hear like The Meg. When people are talking about The Meg, which is really just a pretty standard big shark movie. But people want it to be like, why isn't Jason Statham – fist fighting Punching the Meg in space yeah. on top of a T-Rex in a plane. You know, it's like everything's got to be like that fast and furious, like 18 elements at once. And it's like sometimes you can just tell a story. It doesn't have to be every element at once. It's like the snakes on a plane syndrome where it was like the irony of like, oh, yeah, that's going to be the best. And then no one went and saw it. Right. Cause, yeah, well, because it's, it's like we don't necessarily really want everything to be a two-hour tongue-in-cheek post-ironic joke. It just the internet makes us feel like that's what we want, maybe, right. or like makes that sound cool, and then you go see it, and you're like, oh, I actually like real movies that that tell stories. Sucker Punch is another great example of that. That Zack Snyder movie, Jersey. That oh, I saw it. Well, like the the <laughs> pitch was like. Wouldn't you want to see, like, superhero ninja girls fighting Nazi samurai in World War II? And it's like, you know, at first that's like, oh, yeah, that would be kind of fussy. And then you think about it, you're like, no, I don't. I, don't. I would yeah. like to see all those things individually. 
but not all in yeah, one. They don't weird... kind of. It's like yeah. Well, monsters versus robots is so exactly that's just one of those things. Right? That's yeah, like, oh like yeah, a... I want to see a shellfish fight a Ultraman in the middle of the city. You know? Yeah. There, I just I guess, and maybe it's one of those things where it's like hyperbole in my mind. But I remember a lot of what I was hearing coming out of this was like, I've waited so long for this movie. I'm like, I, I guess I just didn't know this was on the radar. You know, like I didn't yeah. know this is what we wanted. But well, I think, and we'll, we'll get into this more. I think there is part of this too that, well, we'll probably get into this more. But I feel like a lot of, you know, there's this idea and we're, we're right on the sort of cutting edge of this. We're finger on the pulse in terms of what's going on in the culture because they just announced this Cowboy Bebop live right. action movie. And I think there's, there's all this interest in taking that kind of international, especially from Japan, kind of culture and turning it into something American that we, we just never quite get. It always feels like kind of an imitate, pale imitation of the other stuff. And, yeah. And that, that sort of plays into this. Thing. So to give a little context, uh, this was back all the way February in around 2005, 2006. Uh Guillermo del Toro didn't really know what he was going to do. The writer, Travis Beachman, he was walking on the Santa Monica Pier and just looked at it and thought, how cool would it be if just a big old monster came out of the sea right now and then a robot fought him? And then it was later <laughs> that he had the idea of the two pilots. Uh, and, and then the story to him became sort of more of like, what happens when one of those people die? How do you keep moving on? Uh, dealing with survivor's guilt and loss and everything. Right. And that to him was kind of like the theme of the of the uh, picture. Guillermo del Toro, Mountains of Madness, kind of didn't work out. And then this became his next project. And sure. I remember going to this. So this is kind of one of those things where it's like, obviously my opinion is subjective. It, it's my opinion. It's, it's based on like my feelings. Yeah. So Man of Steel came out maybe a couple months before this one did. And I'm a big DC fan, big Superman fan. I saw Man of Steel three, four times in the theater wow. total. Yeah. I think by the time this movie had come out, I just had burnt myself out on massive level destruction. It's so possible. Like, when I saw this movie, I, I was almost immediately like exhausted. Like that's my first <laughs> right. thought when I think of like this movie. It was odd too. It was at a it was at a producer's guild screening of it. So it was like a weird crowd to see it in right. too. And I was just like I'm a, little, I'm a little tired. But this this movie, I mean, one of the things I really like about this movie is that it does not, it doesn't feel like a disaster movie. Like, it doesn't feel like it's just nonstop, wall-to-wall, like a monster knocking down buildings. Like, Rampage felt like that, where it sort of drones on and on. Like, how many, and I get that it's an adaptation of an arcade game where literally all you do is destroy sure. buildings. So I had to play a list, and I understand. But... Yeah, like it, where it just it fatigue sets in that sort of Bruckheimer fatigue of like you can't just watch digital chaos for 160 minutes. But Pacific Rim sort of folds in so many different elements of these kinds of stories. It's you also get like the academy of like the young pilots in training, and you also get like all the world building about where the monsters are coming from and the scientists sort of investigating it. And you get you know like the father son stuff, and like I do think they make an effort to not just make it like robot knocking a monster into a building and then again and then again until you get like that Michael Bay sort sure. of Sure, and I think like watching it this last time, which I was telling you, this movie for me, I just, I, I must have watched it over 12 or 13 different, yeah, like I'd watch six minutes and then like, uh, that's it for today. <laughs> um, I think like for me, and, and maybe this is part of like what the movie's trying to be, like maybe it just feels like the energy of like a 80s Saturday morning cartoon and the act 
acting and dialogue is so atrocious at times that it just sucks me right out of anything that's happening. I mean, I really do feel like a lot of this goes back to, it is kind of, you know, what we always say when they do like this horrible Netflix Death Note adaptation or Ghost in the Shell or Cowboy Bebop, like that sort of always goes wrong because those stories are so, they're, they're, they're involved, enmeshed in Japanese culture. Like they're they're from a specific perspective. You can't just lift the sci-fi element out and remake it and be like, this is Ghost in the Shell. I mean, Neon Genesis Evangelion, which they're doing. This, it's the same thing. It's like they're very those those movies and those stories are very specific. So I think this is what you would sort of do instead. Like it's an original story and it just kind of borrows a lot of the aesthetics and the style. And part of that, I think which I think they're doing on purpose. I don't think it's just like the writing's not good on Pacific Rim. I think it's a purposeful like, yeah, it's written to be like a cartoon, like not necessarily, although some elements I think of Saturday morning kind of cartoon shows, but like like an anime series, I think really, where it's very like high drama, like melodrama almost, and you're getting these very emotional backstories of all of these characters who are also like, Types, you know, and, and like types that you would see in that kind of like a flight academy anime kind of story. Sure. Like the tough, the Iceman, you know, Val Kilmer character has got to kind of come around at the end. And like the toughest nails instructor who secretly like loves you, cares about you after all. And like kind of the conflicted romance. And like I think all of those elements, you know, play into it. And it, it is supposed to be a little big and it is supposed to be a little kitschy. And I think that's sort of part of the world that they're creating. I just think there are so many interesting ideas in this that I, I, my, I, I, I'm more focused thing. Like one of the lines at the very beginning when he's with his brother, it's like, you know what I'm thinking? The other brother's like, I'm in your brain. I know. And I'm just like, GI Joe. <laughs> but there are so many interesting themes in this. I really loved the idea of like, this doesn't work unless you're paired with the right person. And, and like, you know, uh, what's her name? Mako. Yeah. Uh, her, her backstory just like literally crippled by her own like demons of her past. Like mm-hmm. there's really heavy stuff in there, but it's juxtaposed with such over the top silliness that like, it's just hard for me to like truly invest when these people are like cartoony to me, I guess. I mean, I think there's, I think everything you're saying is valid. I just think like there's no rule that you can't sort of have that kind of high and low balance. And I think, you know, like uh, that would be the sort of thing that a lot of less successful or more green directors wouldn't be able to do. But the Guillermo del Toro does a a really good job. There's, you know, there's, there's some scenes are kind of funny. There's some scenes that are kind of dramatic, but they all have kind of the same tone. It's all like larger than life. Kind of everything's a little telescoped. Everything's sort of you know, raised and heightened and even like, you know, the Charlie Day and and Ron Perlman scenes like they're, you know, they're basically comic relief, but that's the the, also the a story, you know, like it's it's all kind of happening in this in this alternate reality. So uh, I'm glad you brought up Charlie Day because uh, just so everyone listening knows, I put together kind of like my notes. I I put together like points, Mm -hmm. Uh, make sure I hit them. Point four, I'm going to skip ahead is just Charlie Day is the f-ing worst. And the only thing that I wrote under this is you are not funny. You are not special. You are not charming. You are obnoxious, loud, and bring down every single scene that you are in. That's what I wow. wrote at some point while watching this. It's so like, again, like I, I agree with you. I agree that like, I think it's cool that this like kind of side story where I think of other movies, even a movie I really like, like 
Oh, here we go. Let's light this fire. Like Last Jedi, where that side quest on the casino planet mm-hmm. just feels a little like, oh, there could have been a better way to do this, or at least a more immediate way to do this. Whereas in this movie, like, yeah, it like directly ties into what we're doing. It doesn't feel so off kilter. But the obnoxiousness of this character choice of Charlie Day being so Charlie Day, like it's again where it's like your character or your actors are just taking me out of like this moment. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I yeah, obviously can't argue if something's annoying. Like, sure, you know, right. I, I'm annoyed yeah, by yeah. Chris Tucker in Fifth Element. Some <laughs> people love that character. I, I'm actually with you on that one. Yeah, like, you know, sometimes characters we just like, also Jeffrey D. Morgan, as long as we're talking about Rampage, that character annoyed me so much with his like, <laughs> weird meta cowboy nonsense. Some people thought that was really fun. So like, I can't, you know, talk you out of it or, sure, or, yeah. or whatever. Um, I mean, that character definitely does feel to me like it was probably already kind of a fast talking, hyperactive guy. And then it was just like, once Charlie Day came in, it's like a sort of an ideal match of like, oh, you can sort of play your persona into this. The one thing I do really like about that character though, is that that to me does feel real especially in where we are in 2018 pop culture like if these kaiju did start appearing there would be weirdos who would be like really into them and like that one's thick and our kaiju hot and like you right. know that stuff would happen i guess so i like that the movie is sort of there there's a, there's a lot more attention to that kind of stuff in pacific Rim than most movies of this type where it would be like we live in the world now where monsters show up and like, you know, they would make up like, here's the slang word everybody uses. We call them stirs. And that would be like the end of the world building. Right. And this one is like, how would it change pop culture? Like, how would TV shows talk about kaiju? And how, like, would people have kaiju tattoos? And like, would we sell like, you know, Prada, like, oh, kaiju horns, uh, aphrodisiac, like all that, they they put all that thought into it. I will say like, that was one thing and, the, and they get it out in the prologue pretty fast about how this became so commercialized. And I really loved that idea to the point where it's like, man, I would like those, that's a prime example of like their ideas in this movie that I really enjoy, but it's just like, thrown into a blender of, of like six other things that just aren't for me. And when I think of something like Charlie Day, like I, I do like the idea of the, like kind of the nerdy character that uh, like, yes, in that sense it feels real, but he's just so big. Like, why couldn't it be? <laughs> when I think of like these characters, I think of like Justin Long and galaxy quest or Brent Spiner in, uh, in the first independence day. Like those, I feel like, kind of the same trope, but I I don't walk away thinking like, God, they were so loud and just like ate every piece of scenery that was in front of them. Yeah, I mean, they're not loud. Brett Spider's also playing like a goofy cartoon in Independence. He's just in a lot less. But he's also not like as in your face as Charlie Day. No, I mean, Charlie Day's like a big, manic, goofy performer. That's kind of his stock trade. I do, I like the dynamic of him with the other scientist who's more of the like traditional movie scientist guy. Right. Like, I like that they have their competing theories. And I like especially that they're both right. Like, how often, usually in movies, there's, like, the one hero visionary character who knows what's going to happen. And everybody's like, no, there's not going to be a volcano in Los Angeles, Tommy Lee Jones. Get out of here. And in this one, I like that they figured out a way for, they're both geniuses. They both figured it out. They were fighting with each other, but they should have been working together. Like, I like that element, too. A lot of this is what I think doesn't work about the second movie. I don't know if you've seen it. I never saw the second one. I think I was done. uh, Spoiler alert for anyone listening who hasn't seen Pacific Rim Uprising. The big thing in the second movie is Charlie Day's the villain. Like, the 
kaiju brain has polluted his own mind and now he's on the kaiju side and he's working to bring them over and i don't like that at all because it feels like it's undoing this first movie like it feels out of step with where the first movie ends i mean i just don't want more charlie day so now you've completely sold me on not watching the second i mean one. actually he's, he's in about the same amount it's just he's like a he's the mean he's the bad character and in, in, in part two there's like he's like working against humans because he's in love with kaiju Oh, all right. Well, so there you go. What what is it with these like second movies, like Independence Day, the second one too, where there's just like there's some really far out left field yeah, ideas. Yeah, I we're in this this moment now where yeah, your sequel can't just that no, nobody wants to do the like Hangover two, just re revisit the golden moments of the first. Now it's like everybody's trying to take it in like a daring, crazy new direction. Like, and, super weird. Yeah, um, Uprising doesn't work. Yeah, I will never watch it. Um, but one thing I, I am wondering, and I, as I, you know, you were talking at the beginning about like these kinds of movies, like these monster movies, like I wonder if I just was predisposed to just not being into this. Because to be honest with you, like not a huge Godzilla fan, like King Kong, meh. Like I wonder if like this would just like never appeal to me ever. Like if I walked in. I'm having you play like therapist. Yeah. Now, well, you know? I mean, there, there's an element of all movies like this that are, you know, nostalgia. Like when we were kids, we liked playing with, you know, like robot toys and monster toys. Now it's like this huge scenario that, that Guillermo del Toro plays out. That's like sort of that game realized and, you know, with $200 million effects. So if, if that's just not your thing and the, that kind of spectacle just doesn't interest you, like... Yeah, sure, that might be part of it. I really do think that it's like the movie has a, it's not just a, a lot, and I'm not saying this is review, but a lot of American audiences, I think, like, baseline assume, unless a movie specifically says it's happening in a different universe with different rules, they want everything to feel like it's our world. Like, there's this movie plot's happening, but otherwise, it's our relatable world. And people I would, should, I would throw myself in People there. should yeah. act the way people do in our world, and people should make decisions based on how they would make decisions if they were a real person in this scenario. And uh, I got to be honest, like, I don't care. Like, that. <laughs> if I'm enjoying a movie... Me being like, well, but in our reality, if I was in that situation and this exact thing happened to me, I wouldn't do that. Like, that doesn't really ever enter my mind. If I'm enjoy like, if I'm not enjoying the movie, of course, nitpick all day. Right, yeah. Um, but if I if I am enjoying it, it's like, well, but my enjoyment in, in getting into the story and relating to the characters is so much more important than, oh, but that's probably not what would really happen. It's the Nolanization of movies. Yeah, right. You know? It is in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's like everything has to be sort of like gritty and realistic on some level. It has to be like you can't jump higher unless you tell me why that guy can jump higher than any other human or whatever. And uh, I think that does that's that trips a lot of people up about Pacific Rim because it's not like even if you removed our ability to build huge robots and huge monsters coming up from the bottom of the ocean, even if all that was gone. This isn't our realistic world. Like, sure. this is still heightened Guillermo del Toro world, even with all the specifically supernatural elements taken away. I suppose in that sense, if you put it that way, like, I, I guess in a, in a subconscious level, I am guilty of that because it's like, in, in a, I like to think of myself as like whimsical and imaginative, but immediately I was just like, nope, this is, this is all silly. And I don't like, like right. this movie, maybe I don't like it because it makes me feel like 
old. It makes me feel like this is silly and it's too loud. You know, yeah. every time I'm like, this is just too much is happening. It's too loud. I don't like it. It makes me feel like an old man, Maybe. you know? Because, uh, like, uh, another movie like that, like, if you re go back and read the reviews from when it came out, um, is Starship Troopers, where it's like, even if you take away, like, okay, it's in the, it's in the future and there, there's no bug plant. We don't know about a planet with huge bugs that could fight a war with us. But that's, it's still not our reality. It's like this really tripped out, weird cartoon fascist future. Uh, but it's still like, if you go back and read the reviews, it's like, no, oh, these dumb kids. No, it's like a space T90210. And it's like, yeah, idiots. Like, that's the, the world point, that this yeah. is set in. And like, this is set in, you know, like an anime reality where, yeah, like, a, the, the tough people are all collected in these like flight schools to train robot pilots and you know like everybody's kind of big and and you know a tough guy's real tough and like a goofy guy's really goofy and you know i just wondered like you said at the beginning of this movie like there's it's group of people like me who just like i don't like this and then people who really like it i do wonder i am not familiar at all with any anime or any anime tropes and i wonder if that like plays a big part in just not getting this movie. I mean, I don't know. If, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Because I, I think it's it's not like it's very forward with, like, if they're not using Japanese words or, like, it's not necessarily like this is only for otaku, wink, wink. But, of... yeah, like, well, because especially because they're borrowing so many different, like, so many anime are about, you know, like, small teams of young pilots who have to, like, save the world. So you've got that. About. So many anime are about, like, these advanced futuristic technological systems where your brain sort of merges with the internet or like you're online and connected to people that way like that's an element here obviously giant lizard monsters from under the ocean is an element here obviously huge mecha is an element here and like more and more like we could go through the whole movie and like almost every scene is like some element you know like the the dad is the general and he won't let his daughter the great soldier fight but then she does anyway you know like all that themes of sacrifice and the dystopia and Armageddon and all that cancel. I like that whole canceling the apocalypse scene could easily right. be from an anime. Um, so, but I don't know if you necessarily need to already be familiar with that stuff to enjoy the movie, or it's just like, if you know that stuff, you kind of recognize the movie kind of name checking. If it just feels more comfortable because it's like a world that you kind of already know. Right. Well, and that's also just like, you know, they're, they're very like anime fans are very accustomed to like, we're in a very weird, futuristic sci-fi reality, and here's a three-minute sort of monologue of like, here's the nature of this reality, go. We're right. fighting this monster, have at it. And like, so you're kind of prepped to just, all right, I know, I have my bearings, I understand what kind of story I'm about to see, let's do it. And if you don't, you know, you're not in, on that, in that mode. Yeah, unfortunately, this movie, like, I think, I think you know within the first, two minutes in that prologue like you're either on board with this or you're not yeah like a lot of it just it's like it, you know does a does a big robot fighting a big lizard monster outside hong kong are you sort of like are you like oh i'd like to see more what are you talking about or if you're like eh, like that that almost is are you gonna like pacific rim sure yeah i think for me look there's one thing that i always kind of criticize other people for and i'll be the first to admit i'm a hypocrite because i do it i know i do it with this movie i watch this movie and i get mad 
or I, I nitpick or I don't like it because it's not the movie I want it to be as opposed right. to the movie that it is. Yes. And I, I, I would like to think that maybe I saw the trailers and TV spots and thought it, that I was missold on it. But I don't remember. I, I think this is just a movie where I went in thinking, you know, like cancel the apocalypse. That moment was everywhere. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get, you know, this like kind of harder sci-fi movie. And some of these themes are going to be a little bit more, uh, you know, hit a little stronger, a little less melodramatically, you know. And when the movie wasn't that, I almost like I couldn't practice what I preach. I couldn't take the movie at face value. I was like, well, you're you're not this. And so I don't want it. Like, I can just admit that about this movie up front. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I mean, two things we haven't talked about yet. I, I think it's a great looking movie and not not just like the robots look cool, although the robots do look cool. But I like the, I really like how colorful it is. A lot of people complained at the time that like, oh, the fights are always like at night in the rain, which is like a shortcut visual effect. But it, it looks awesome. I don't think it would necessarily look as cool or dramatic if no, the robots yeah. were. I definitely have in my notes that the FX, whether you like this movie or not, are pretty fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, even we're now five years later, there's been like this movie looks better than its own sequel, which is a <laughs> it's an interesting situation to be in but um and the other thing i would mention is uh i i really love that idris elba performance i think he more than any of the other actors like gets what the movie is and where he needs to be in it and like what his role is relative to everybody else and he has some really he has some really great moments Charlie Hunnam's a good actor in other stuff. I'm not sure he got what kind of movie he was that's, in. That's, in my notes, I call him not Channing Tatum because I couldn't remember his name, but he kind of looks like him. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like Idris Elba is in a different movie than everybody else. It's like, yes, he, he, like, he, he gets the movie, but he's also like acting. And the other's like, I'm watching this guy try to act. And it's like painful for me like i mean i don't think that i don't think I they're, think they're not Hunnam's bad they're not bad this. actors they're they're i, I think, think it's bad in this i think it's a tricky movie to sort of get you know like because it is it's such a specific tone it's such a specific style and i feel like if you're not playing to that it doesn't necessarily translate as well but like i think Hunnam's one of the only major actors in it who i think is kind of out of step he's just a little too dry it's like he's in he's in the more like gritty serious version of this i just feel like like even right off the bat his vo is almost so like i'm trying to be film noirish that it's almost kind of funny to me like, i think it also like is a, an element of accent like he's trying to do an accent and he doesn't always necessarily what's what's his actual accent he's british right uh, just to, I guess everyone's just British now. <laughs> yeah. If someone's in a movie, they're probably. I believe British. Charlie Hunnam's British. Uh, I could be wrong about this. We're right, right in to hot takes with Billy Biz. <laughs> I don't know what he is. I, I don't even know. know what else he's in. Well, Lost City of Z was great. He and was, that was in with that. Tom Holland, right? Uh, no, that's with um, what's his face from Twilight. Um, now I'm forgetting who's Edward in Twilight. Robert Pattinson. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, that was great. Did you not see that? You should see that. I, I didn't. It's I think, really terrific. I think um, even and he, like, was in, he was in like Undeclared. Oh, yeah, that, Tom Holland old... is in this. Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, Charlie Hunnam, Sienna Miller. Oh. And and the Emperor, Ian McDermott. I feel like I never see him outside of yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom go. Holland was in Lost City of Z? As Jack Fawcett. Oh. There you go. I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. well, that could be wrong. I mean, this was pre-Homecoming. So yeah, I might not. I just didn't not recognize realize it, probably, it. yeah. Um, but yeah, look, I think Pacific Rim is one of those movies where 
I remember walking out of this and at the time I was doing like a, a different, like a comic book podcast with someone else. And every now and then we would do movie reviews if it was a big genre movie. And I saw this, I saw this by myself and he saw it like a, like a couple of days later and then we would get together and record. And he, he messaged me the day before. Cause I had sent him, I was like, good luck, man. I not for me, but mm-hmm. have fun. And he messaged me the day before we were supposed to record. And he was like, I can't do this review. I was like, why not? He's like, because I just can't hear like this movie, like is like, so like it hit a chord for me that just made me so happy that I can't listen to someone just drag it down. <laughs> like I feel that's the first time, like someone wow. was just like, I can't stomach your, you. your negativity. Wow. <laughs> for, for I will always remember John telling me that, like, just let me live with this happy memory of Pacific Rim. I was like, yeah. all right. I, yeah. I mean, I think that's right. I, I, I get it. I sympathize in that. I agree that it's just sort of, it, it, you either get on its wavelength or not. Like it's 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 fun, and that's really all that it's sort of after. I think on on one level, and and to pick it apart to pieces kind of defeats its own purpose, as Jake Lamotta might say. Yeah, look, I, I I agree with you. I think at the end of the day, yeah, I just I wasn't on board. I'm never going to be on board. This was a hard episode to do because I knew I would have to. T- through this movie again it's just it's not for me i don't think anyone is dumb for liking it i just uh it's just it's never gonna be on my on my playlist but i do like uh i do like a lot of what you're saying i I do think uh it's just uh it's just a matter of like there there are things about i'm learning more about the way that i watch movies really doing this podcast like Mm -hmm. why are certain things hitting for everyone else and not me it's not to be contrarian it's like oh i think you're right i think for better for worse and i i truly don't mean to start another fire here Mm -hmm. but i do think that like 2008's The Dark Knight is almost like a turning point in cinema where it's like there it, it it was a great movie and it did a lot of things for not only the genre but just movies in general but it also had like this negative effect and I do feel like sometimes yeah I'm just like well you know like you said like I need that realism because it's like well I know you can justify that so let me see it instead yeah. of just taking it for face value which is something I'd like to try to shed because I feel yeah. like you don't connect with a lot. I just know? I feel like every time you see that, like, well, one of the robots has a sword. Why doesn't it use the sword until the big final battle? It's like, if you're if you're there, you, you just turn the movie off. Like, just honestly, because it's like you're not like, oh, oh, okay, yes, that that is that is an accurate thing to say. In our reality, if you made it all the way to the last fight and you'd never taken the sword out. Somebody could be like, hey, idiot, you got a sword. I did take the sword out and then stuff. But it, it's like so beyond the point of the movie at that point. It's like, well, we didn't, we didn't think to use the sword to the end. Wouldn't, which have, is, been, wouldn't have been badass until Which is then. so funny because I grew up a Power Rangers kid where it's like, obviously, just call your robots the minute a yeah, monster shows up doing? and this thing's over. But every week for four years, I would eat it all up. So, yeah, I don't know where the disconnect is for me in this movie uh, I wish I could pinpoint it exactly. I do, I do think it, Dark Knight. I think you're you are right to pin a lot of this on that movie, you know, because that that movie gave us so many sort of negative action movie things that we're still fighting our way out of, like the villain having an incredibly obscure 
complex plan that you can't understand until the very end. But then right. if you go back, it doesn't necessarily beat for beat work out anyway. Like there's just a lot of happenstance. Like, Oh, lucky that works. We are still, I mean, we were just, ta- I, I, I don't want to reveal what movie we were just talking about, but right. we were just talking about this with another movie literally yesterday in the writer's room. It's good. Jack. Oh, I think I know what you're talking <laughs> right, about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, there's, it's definitely one of those things too. Like how many, uh, how many movies since then did the, uh, Think about it. Since Dark Knight did the villain purposefully want yeah. to get caught, he, oh, in the he second wanted act. to get caught to throw everybody out. Yeah, it's, it's like, just like hmm, Khan in Star Trek: The Darkness, Silva in Skyfall. Uh, this character in the movie we were talking about that Loki I don't want to mention in the first Avengers. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it happened. Look, and again, I'm not, I'm not knocking Nolan. I'm not knocking the Dark Knight. I just think like we took a lot of good lessons and we took a lot of bad lessons, and and we, whether we liked it or not, and subconsciously, it changed the way that we watch movies. At least some of us and. Maybe this is it for me. I don't know why, because like, it's so strange. You would think like a movie like Justice League, which it's so silly. And I'll even admit like not a hundred percent coherent. And I'm a hundred percent on board from frame one to the end. Whereas this movie, it's like the correlation, like if this, then that like should match up. But I don't know why. I really wish I knew why this movie just. Well, I think some of that to me, some of that is it's just it. We think of it as causation, but it, it's not. We're, 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 we're seeing, like, false causation there. Because it's like, if you're not enjoying a movie, you're taken out of it, and you have a lot more time to pay attention to, like, little nitpicky problems and things that sort of don't work out. Whereas when you're engrossed in a movie, you're not paying attention to all the little inconsistencies and details. You're sucked into the drama and the story and the performances or whatever. So, like... Uh, yeah, I think you're always going to, when you're watching a thing you're not enjoying that much, you're always going to notice more of like little flaws and things that make it seem bad. Whereas when you're totally sucked in, you're not paying attention to that. You're focusing on enjoying it. So that it's not necessarily that strange or crazy that you'd watch Pacific Rim in six-minute bursts and see <laughs> little things that like don't, you know, maybe necessarily work out right. all the way. Yeah, this is, I uh, full disclosure for this episode, this is not the... Of the director's preferred way of me watching. No, but also, film. I mean, even, I mean, like, there are a lot of things in Pacific Rim that are just, like, not realistic. Like, even the whole movie's built on that the, I forget her, Mako. She, uh, her, her family was killed, and then, uh, you know, Idris Elba's care, Stacker Pentergast, I believe yeah. it's called. Uh, he rolls up in a, in a, you know, one of the sort of meccas. He kills the kaiju, and then he gets out. He just, like, opens the top and, like, hey, little girl, how's it going? Like, you know, you wouldn't get out of the, the robot at that point. You're this huge Jaeger. You probably wouldn't have even seen this little girl on the street. Get back in there, Pentecost. It's like, what if there's what are you another, doing? You, yeah, like... Even that little moment with no dialogue is like, that doesn't really make any sense. Why would he get it? Of all the, he must have saved a million people that day. He's going to be like, I better go see if this little girl is okay. I better get out of my Jaeger and see if this little girl is okay. Well, yeah, look, I think this one is also just a victim of, you know, like I said, I was kind of tired of the big uh, explosion y uh, thing when I saw it. I also saw it with a, I'll, I'll say it, a snooty crowd. I saw it by myself in a snooty crowd. Yeah, it's, it's also just, not a know. great by yourself. Some movies are great by yourself movies. But I don't know. If this one you want a rousing. 
I think that would be the way to see it. It was not that. It was so like maybe it was just like this was doomed from the start. But there you go. Uh, That's uh, Pacific Rim. Any final thoughts to throw out? I do have one question for you. Are you when you type in hot takes into like iTunes, (laughs) is this the first podcast that comes up or do you have competition also called hot takes? Oh, there's like a wrestling podcast. Because when you first said you were going to do a podcast called hot takes, I was like, maybe not a great podcast title because i bet there's a, a bunch of other podcasts also called hot takes but then when we, when we were starting the show you said just type in hot takes and search and you'll find it i mean you can it's if you type in hot takes it's maybe the fourth or fifth that's one that not, pops that's up that's not bad that's pretty good uh, but it's the official show titles hot takes with billy business oh. so you could also just type in billy biz or billy business and right. it'll pop up but it doesn't pop up first there's still like billy business it's like I'm like number three, and there's like a stock trading one. Oh, there's another Billy business out there. It's like Billy, Bl- some, not Billy Blank. Billy Blank's an actual yeah, person. Right. Uh, Billy somebody's financial it's like shenanigans. Bill, Billy the business Giacometti <laughs> or whatever. I don't think he calls himself Billy business, but Billy and business are both somewhere yeah. in the keywords of his title. But uh, I, I do want to thank everyone who has been uh, with me so far. Uh, if, you, uh, if you're wondering uh, what else, what other uh, hot takes there are, Dan Merle's favorite uh, phrase. Uh, there's also, you know, we just did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the reboot with JTE. Uh, Speed the, Racer. The Michael Bay produced reboot, the yeah, recent one? I really like that movie. <laughs> That's a hot ass take. You know what, Lon? You should go back uh, and listen to that episode. I haven't heard that one. That's a mango habanero (laughs) take. It is uh, hot chili pepper. Yeah, that's a nuclear Um, take. Also, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas with Danielle Radford. Uh, It's the holiday season, so check that one out. Still to come on this first season. Uh, If you're new to the show, it's just going to be season because uh, I want to take a break for the holidays. So we'll do like 10, You'll come back for season two. Come back for season two. Still to come come talking post Michael Scott the office with Roth Cornett uh, I still think there's some really good office in there and uh, a big one I'm really excited to talk the Lost World Jurassic Park with Dan Merle because I think there's some there's some of my favorite moments are in that second one. Oh boy yeah I, I think I just got a new subscriber at the oh, table oh, oh. so you can just get I'm kind of with you on the office like I watched it all through the spader years and it's still fun but um, oh boy that Jurassic Park sequel I mean that one's gonna be uh, that one's gonna be a, a fun one with uh, the the biggest Screen, or, uh, Jurassic Park fan that I know at that moment. Thank you so much, guys, for listening along. Thanks for being here. Uh, we'll be back next week with the 